Skip, thanks for thanks for doing this. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, so uh, you're, you're the president of the Technology Association of Oregon, and I want to ask a little bit about the history of that, but to start with you. So how, we were chatting before this, you are telling me a little bit where you grew up and how you moved here, but what is your path? How did you come to Oregon, and how did you become to be the president of TAO? Sure. Uh, so right before I joined the association, at the time it was known as the Software Association of Oregon, and um, the thing that uh, I was doing right before that was I was uh, heading up economic development policy for the city of Portland uh, under Mayor Adams. Okay. And uh, during that time, did a lot of work with the um, the software industry and tech industry more broadly uh, as part of the development of the city's economic development strategy uh, at the time. And it recognized software as uh, a key industry sector or cluster uh, that the city wanted to focus on in terms of development and uh, did some work that was more specific to access to capital. So we did some analysis looking at gaps in the, uh, in, the in the ecosystem and, a comp- and with the company's ability to raise money and um, was involved with the uh, establishment of the Portland Seed Fund, okay. uh, getting that spun out and funded. And, um, and then also uh, some work with how do you kind of organize the industry? Uh, who is here? What were they up to? What were some of the common needs? So we did a number of um, uh, events and, and hosted convenings uh, with the city serving as the main convener. Uh, trying to understand better what companies were here and um, where we could potentially add value. And um, also did some work as part of my portfolio there at the city where um, we did some early adopter programs where I was working with a lot of startups and connecting them to um, different people and bureaus who had a specific business use case or need where technology could be a potential solution. And so it was essentially playing matchmaker. Yeah. Um, and, and that was fun. Um, did some work with, uh, open data and gov 2.0 projects too, where we were looking at, uh, the role of technology and, uh, enabling the city to provide, uh, better, more efficient government services, um, PDX reporter and, which was a, an app that allowed people to report um, potholes and graffiti. And right. it's back in like 2009, 2010. Uh, we we kind of aligned ourselves with data.gov and some of the federal initiatives around open data and ended up going around and speaking a bit um, about the role that uh, data can play in, um, in sort of transforming government mm-hmm. in a sense as a more of a platform. So anyway, all that is to say uh, um, was recognized or, uh, was was kind of more uh, well-known uh, relative to some of the board members of the Software Association of Oregon because of the work that I was involved in. And um, a couple of them approached me and said, would you ever consider, uh, you know, helping us out with this, uh, mm-hmm. with this association? Um, and it was uh, an interesting opportunity in that um, it definitely, uh, you know, could benefit from some new direction or some change and, um, had had the benefit of previously always been, um, being involved in organizations that were uh, more in the startup phase or where it was building from scratch and then spinning out as opposed to, you know, walking into something that already exists and figuring out what, what needs to change, what stays the same. Um, culture is far more important uh, Mm -hmm. at that point and understanding where you're starting from and where you're going to, um, 
and uh, also working in the nonprofit arena, which was also a new thing for me at that time. So um, having spent time in the public sector for a few years before that was in the private uh, for quite a bit longer, uh, was originally an attorney. Uh, really? focusing on corporate, turned, uh, corporate and IP. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, was with a company back East, uh, for a while in house. And, um, we ended up spinning a company out, uh, that I ended up leading, um, spent a few years, uh, helping build that. And then, um, I left and, uh, joined another early stage startup, uh, helped get that up and going for a couple of years and, um, kind of got the itch to go back back to my roots, which was a little bit more focused on, um, sort of systems level thinking and, um, more economic development. Uh, so it spent time at a think tank in DC earlier in uh, my academic career, uh, doing a lot of, um, work in the developing world, uh, looking at microfinance and entrepreneurship as a way to alleviate poverty. And a lot of that focus came home to urban centers in the U S in the early two thousands, coupled with a startup boom. Uh, with the price of technology plummeting in particular. So you had this sort of tech-enabled economic development trend Mm -hmm. happening. I was paying attention to all that while I was in the private sector saying, oh, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. And then had an opportunity where um, I could kind of combine all those different interests into a single role when I had an opportunity to join the mayor's office. So Great. And so when you came to the Software Association, what prompted... And the name change, is that just a broader, like the things you were talking about, why uh, to kind of... I guess, bring it together. So, yeah. Yeah. So, um, in terms of the name change, what we looked at was just the existing membership base at the Mm -hmm. time with the software association of Oregon, it was more diverse than just software. And you look at where technology was headed at the time. Um, it's, you know, becoming ubiquitous and just about any company could be described as a tech company. Right. Realistically. So we said we need to be broader, more inclusive. Um, and, and so the name change was in part, um, uh, reflection of that. We also had an opportunity to consolidate the market a bit. Um, and we ended up, um, actually absorbing, uh, tech America, Oregon, okay. uh, which is a local chapter of a large national tech organization. And when we set forth kind of a new vision for what we wanted to do with the software association of Oregon, there were a number of board members with tech America that said, Oh, that's kind of interesting. We'd love to be a part of that. And, um, we ended up doing some more, um, work there, uh, with open conversations between the two boards about where, where does the industry, where does the local community really need to have a single organization with Mm -hmm. dedicated resources? Where does it need to focus? Mm -hmm. And there was enough commonality there in terms of, um, you know, direction and where people wanted to focus those resources where, um, uh, essentially a combination was possible. And so, Six months into my tenure with the Software Association of Oregon, we essentially blew that organization up <laughs> along with uh, Tech America Oregon and then kind of recombined um, with uh, what we like to think were the best parts and then let everything else kind of fall away and mm-hmm. then started to build some new stuff uh, based on that foundation. So Cool. And so fast forward now and, you know, what's your guys's well, fast from when you first came here and you started this kind of um, taking this taking this over, you know, Portland's obviously booming or, you know, the reputation. We have a lot of things happening here in the tech space. So what's most exciting for you to work on right now is, is um, kind of, you know, you you're plugged in to what's going on here as far as that. 
Yeah, there's there's definitely a few different things that are interesting. One is you've got technology that's playing a much bigger role in people's lives on a day-to-day basis uh, than ever before. And to be a part of that conversation is interesting. Um, the other thing that's fascinating uh, right now is that you have a lot of dynamism or change happening um, and it's either being driven by tech or um, tech is creating some new opportunities to, to kind of change either industries or um, you know certain even ways of life you could argue. Mm-hmm. And um, one area that uh, we're very focused on uh, as an association, since our mission is very much uh, concentrated on helping to uh, strengthen companies, so it's an organizational focus, Um, we really want to look at inputs to growth for those companies. So people, capital, and then the the general business environment. And that can include regulatory issues, work with the public sector, et cetera. So those are kind of the three main areas that we focus on um, most intently uh, are these sort of inputs to growth. And uh, within those, there are some interesting things going on. So there's a lot of conversations happening right now with Um, the uh, focus on uh, diversity and inclusion, uh, both from an employee standpoint at companies, but also uh, founders and owners of companies, so the leadership level. And what does that mean within tech? Tech is not particularly diverse uh, when it comes to um, sort of a starting point. And so uh, what are some things that need to change there? More recently, that conversation is now... um, Uh, focused on another input to growth apart from people, it's capital, right? So um, there's a lot of conversations about the culture around venture capital and other types of investing. And, you know, is that detrimental to certain types of startups? Is it excluding uh, or precluding certain folks from different backgrounds, um, accessing the opportunities that are out there related to tech um, and startups? And about the the types of capital, is that just inherent of the way things have traditionally been funded and there's kind of maybe inherent, not want to say bias, but that's just how it is or what? Yeah. So, um, part of it's the fact that if you look at tech companies as not being terribly diverse, the, um, common criticism is you look at it and it's mostly, um, you know, white males, Mm -hmm. right. And, uh, of a certain age, even, uh, you could argue. And, um, and same thing with, um, the, uh, sources of capital. Um, it's a lot of white guys mm-hmm. um, from particular backgrounds mm-hmm. in, in a lot of cases. Um, and and so when you're thinking about a more diverse and inclusive um, population that's trying to either get employment at a tech company or access funding, um, in many cases, people are looking to see whether that organization, the funder or the, the tech company is a reflection of themselves and whether they're um, seeing uh, an opportunity where they could be welcomed into that culture doesn't necessarily mean that the culture has to be um, essentially uh, an identical representation of, you know, a single type of background, but it needs to have a framework or structure that um, allows a multitude of different perspectives and, and ethnicities and sort of cultural affinities to all coexist. Mm -hmm. And ideally from a capitalist standpoint to be optimized for, uh, success in terms of how they communicate, work together, develop products, sell, etc., and um, and that's a challenge, I think. Um, so so that's one area of, of dynamism that we're um, you know paying attention to, and and are also working locally to um, access federal funding and work with the local workforce investment um, 
network and systems um, to help reorient some of the existing resources that yeah. exist so that they're more attuned to addressing these problems and better serving the companies that we serve. Yeah. Um, so that's one area of focus uh, related to that is there's a lot of change right now with newer types of technologies uh, around automation. So whether it's artificial intelligence or machine learning, um, there is uh, a lot of uh, displacement um, that's occurring and going to continue to occur in terms of uh, the nature of certain types of jobs. And what this means is that there is a massive um, issue that uh, you don't hear uh, too many people talking about in the uh, elected official arena, yeah. federally or locally, statewide. I mean, it's here and there, but it's not a huge national conversation, it seems, yet, uh, where people understand the ramifications or even the, the magnitude of the problem, potentially. And, and what it boils down to is that you have um, a, uh, a lot of jobs um, that are going to be uh, essentially no longer relevant. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that there will be a zero-sum situation where uh, jobs will be destroyed uh, as a whole. It's just that jobs are going to look different. Mm -hmm. You're going to have an opportunity for um, uh, people to potentially transition uh, into new new skills and new positions and new jobs. But to do so requires a rethinking of the types of supports and mechanisms that we offer up to people mm -hmm. currently, whether it comes to training or education, uh, the role of businesses in, um, you know, potentially assuming more of that burden, um, the role of the public sector and looking for ways to fund uh, some of that, mm -hmm. um, some of those resources that are going to be necessary and the role of our educational institutions um, they're right now not structured to be nimble and flexible yeah. enough to address the, the problem and the magnitude of the problem mm -hmm. is going to be huge. So you look at um, sort of the, the GI bill and what that meant for, uh, you know, millions of people returning into the workforce after uh, the World War, World War II specifically. Um, it was a, a tremendous opportunity for people to access the education and skills they needed to be um, very sort of potent members of the workforce. And, um, and we need something of that magnitude, uh, maybe even more, more so, yeah. uh, to address working, this. Like with leadership in the state to think of ideas and. Yeah. yeah. So right now we're, um, we're looking at a couple of different mechanisms, um, where I mentioned some of the work with the workforce investment boards and higher ed. Mm -hmm. It's how do we provide opportunities for people to transition into tech related careers and in some cases, it, it needs to be um, pretty rapid mm -hmm. and, 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 um, and the training needs to be relatively nimble. Um, and so looking at things like boot camps or code schools or uh, online services in concert with, um, you know, some of the existing more traditional degree programs, all that stuff is going to be important and relevant. Mm -hmm. And um, what traditionally has happened is it's never been looked at in totality. And what we're trying to do is look at a more holistic approach here where we're looking at K through 12, we're doing work around continuing technical education and people that are uh, pursuing, say, um, you know, uh, more of a, a trade type uh, mm -hmm. career trajectory where they can do apprenticeships and on the job training. Um, then there's also people who are going to be doing more advanced degrees. There need to be pathways clearly articulated about how you move from one to the next mm -hmm. and also how you pivot. So at different points in that time, the technology could change quickly enough where you might say, all right, I now need to go over here as opposed to where I am now. Yeah. 
and how do you get there? And so um, it's incumbent upon companies to clearly articulate what um, sort of pathways they have available. Uh, it's also incumbent upon uh, our educational institutions to be able to think about, okay, here is how we're communicating to students as they enter, uh, what they're trying to get out of it, and here are the ways that we're working with them along the way so that they're able to pivot and you're not locked in necessarily. Um, and then same thing after the fact, you know, where, where can people access resources in a way where it accommodates families and the fact you're working, uh, a current job in some yeah. cases, yeah. not easy, easy problems to address. Big problems. <laughs> well, I want to shift a little bit and, you know, also before this, I, you know, chatting with you because I feel like when there's new, really early stage companies that move here, you're the person people go to to get, you know, learn about it or get a quote. So I wanted to see if you can point out a few, um, you know, really interesting companies. Uh, a lot of the folks I work with, a lot of them are marketing executives. So I know there's some cool marketing software companies that are um, here and like an Opal or some other folks. But um, yeah, are there a few that recently moved here that you're excited or working with? Yeah, there is um, a really interesting company, um, actually companies, a number of them um, that are opening up satellite offices here. Um, everything from small teams of a couple of people to, um, you know, larger facilities. Um, there's a company called Mercari, um, which is uh, an interesting um, sort of uh, marketplace, if you will, for um uh, for makers okay. and uh, people who are more creative, uh, art, artists, craftspeople, etc. Um, uh, Japanese roots and um, Silicon Valley office, and now um, Portland, okay. and uh, they're in the same building as JAMA uh, software. Um, and and it's pretty cool because they're a little more B two C, right? Mm. And um, mm. so we we don't have necessarily um, a lot of. Uh, companies you can point to in the area that are um, demonstrably uh, B2C focused. And what do you uh, contribute that to? Is it just... Uh... Well, I, I think there is... Um, it, it's changing, right? Yeah. So there's more. But um, historically, uh, people have kind of painted the the tech community here as more sort of B2B, right? With a lot of um, sort of applications that make other applications work better or, uh, you know, improve the business... Um, uh, from sort of the back end, uh, whether it's with IT infrastructure or marketing applications yeah. where you're enabling the marketing team to be more effective. Um, those are some of the examples. We're, we're seeing some stuff, too, going on now that you could say is more um, B2C in terms of how it's ultimately delivered. But, um, you know, different companies that are doing work with um, public sector, okay. um, especially around like uh, smart transportation or smart cities, building systems. Um, and, and so what's exciting is this gets back to the point earlier about tech becoming more ubiquitous. It's not just, you know, how do we get more people to click more on some website? Yeah, yeah. It's about how do you solve transportation issues or like, how do you make buildings more efficient? Uh, how do you address air quality issues? Yeah. Uh, so some pretty big problems where tech is being, uh, sort of directed and, um, there's definitely some companies that are in that space. I mean, if you look at um, sort of the smart cities and um, transportation arena, um, there is a, a company called Mobility Cubed, and um, uh, they're doing some uh, semi-autonomous uh, all-electric buses. Um, are they a Portland-founded team? Or? Yeah, it's a Vancouver-based, okay. um, and they have some folks here as well in, in Oregon, but... Um, 
but yeah, really kind of an interesting company. There's uh, companies doing stuff around smart home and IoT, mm-hmm. um, you know, with IOTIS and um, SmartRG in Vancouver and Oregon. Um, there's uh, some, obviously, with uh, um, Daimler and, and Jaguar Land Rover here, you've got some interesting startups that are kind of flowing through and around those ecosystems. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, of course, you have... Um, uh, Globe Sherpa, uh, yeah. now renamed mm-hmm. uh, and part of Daimler, um, you know, doing some some really cool work too with Movil, um, and and you know, there's also uh, some fun stuff going on with drones. Everything from drones themselves to the software uh, that people are using to operate them. Some of the smart agriculture applications. Um, there's even some uh, some stuff going on around. Um, you know, consumer products getting back into marketing and sales. Um, so a lot of companies doing everything from marketing automation solutions to sales enablement mm-hmm. to, um, you know, those types of things. And, and there's definitely companies here that, um, have satellite offices or were headquartered here, um, that are in those arenas. Um, you know, in terms of some other companies that I think are, are interesting and a little novel, uh, there's one called, um, Zinc five, that's uh, located in Wilsonville okay. and um, they uh, have an uh, sort of mission critical on-demand battery backup solution um, that's clean. Uh, yeah. And uh, so it, it, they're really going after lithium ion, but saying it's not toxic and won't explode. <laughs> so it's a pretty cool opportunity yeah, they they have. Again, another Portland kind of found a team. It's yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. And, uh, and they have, um, like a vertically integrated technology solution, hardware, software, uh, application network. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they're even sourcing some of the component materials, uh, that go into it, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, uh, have a supply chain that they own, uh, wow. which is pretty cool. Um, that's yeah. Cool. And then, so, so for some of the companies that might not have been founded here, but they're looking to move their offices here, are you involved in that kind of wooing process or? Yeah, I'm usually, um, we're usually a, a resource when, uh, sometimes it's an economic development organization that, um, like greater Portland Inc is one that we work closely with. Uh, they'll say, okay, we've got a company that's expressed interest, um, you know, on the qualitative angle, um, you know, what are some local execs who have set up offices that you might be able to introduce them to that could provide a certain perspective, um, on either hiring or, you right. know, the commercial real estate space, et cetera. Uh, we do a lot of work with commercial realtors. Um, and, uh, so we often try to help complement them and provide either data or sort of additional qualitative introductions, uh, from time to time. And so, um, our, our bulk, the bulk of our activity is really on, the companies that are here. Yeah. Um, but a lot of that data that we're collecting at the macro level is relevant to people that are looking at the market and mm-hmm. trying to understand it, mm-hmm. um, culturally. And then also what are the economics of it? Yeah. So, and also one thing I wanted to chat about is, you know, what's a, a way that, you know, brands here and companies here can get more involved with early stage companies, whether, you know, as a pilot or, you know, what are some things I know you work already with companies that do that, but it was some, things they can do? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, we're seeing a lot more of this as a trend where companies are doing things like uh, they might set up a, a, an office or a team that uh, is focused on um, you know, developing relationships with early stage startups mm-hmm. uh, for purposes of procurement opportunities or joint ventures, in some cases investment, and in other cases even acquisitions. Yeah. And, um, and companies approach that 
from a variety of different ways. Some have teams that are cross-functional that have an external focus at these larger brands and enterprises where they're out there looking for different types of startups based on internal business needs and how those have been defined. Um, there's also um, some standalone offices. Most of them in in the country are centered around Silicon Valley because yeah. uh, there's a, a sense that, well, they have a lot of startups in absolute terms. We should be there. Mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to get the value that they need or that they're connecting with the right companies, but, you know, it makes sense on paper. Right. Uh, and, and so we have some here that are interesting nevertheless, right? So, um, you know, Daimler is always looking at some interesting stuff locally, obviously Jaguar Land Rover. So they have an R&D center here. And then they're also bringing in startups from lo- local areas and around the country and world to be part of classes with their incubator. Um, Nike uh, is always looking for interesting partners, um, you know, whether it's to solve a business need focused on supply chain and logistics or, you know, digital or uh, you name it. Um, and in other cases, um, you have, uh, you know, companies like, um, you know, Columbia Sportswear and Under Armour, uh, also in the um, and Adidas, also in the athletic and outdoor arena that are increasingly looking at where is technology being applied and could be applied yeah. in, in their operations, um, to make them more competitive. And, um, you know, bank of America, we've done some work with them, um, where, uh, we've hosted some different dinners and, um, for some of their folks who are in charge of new technology acquisition, okay. uh, they might come up and, and say, okay, we're going to be in town for a couple hours. Uh, here are some companies or types of technologies we're looking at. Who should we meet? Um, we do those regularly, That's uh, great. usually yeah. once a month, we have okay. some sort of a, a convening, um, or, uh, at least get together with some companies to introduce them to one another. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's exciting to see that kind of activity. When I started six years ago, we didn't have nearly that kind of interest. Yeah. I was going to say, that's probably a pretty new phenomenon, but um, yeah. if you're on the corporate side, they, you know, they're interested because Portland is growing with this stuff. So yeah. I'm excited. I'm fired up to see you talk about it. So. <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely pretty cool. I mean, we're we're seeing additional growth in in software, um, but also some of this IoT or Internet of Things and hardware uh, related stuff as well. There's another company in Vancouver on the B two C side that's doing some uh, some work with industrial applications of um, augmented reality, cool. uh, which is pretty cool. Yeah. And, um, and and yeah, there's some uh, nice work going on. Um, uh, they're, they're called Realware, by the way, but okay. uh, they just relocated here from Silicon Valley. Wow. Um, and I've heard the past two days, like three companies that just... Yep. <laughs> so yeah, this cool. morning there was the construction software firm that yeah. saw there uh, being a little bit of a construction software cluster here yeah. made it interesting Yeah, uh, for interesting. them. So. Well, great, Skip. Um, I would love to do this kind of uh, these updates or like state of the industry regularly with you and hopefully uh, something you're open to, but I really appreciate you doing this. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun and and happy to. Okay, thanks. Thanks.